Hey listeners, welcome to the very first episode of Esthetician Eavesdrop. I'm your host and esthetician, Ashley. I'm excited to start the journey of empowering other women to feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. As an esthetician, I have had the privilege of meeting many fascinating people from various backgrounds. During our sessions together, we open up about our thoughts and experiences, and it leads us to deep conversations that can be touching, amusing, and sometimes challenging. In this debut episode, you may come across topics that may be difficult for some listeners. However, it's crucial to share such experiences in an effort to cultivate a community of sisterhood with women who relate to one another. We get you, girl. So I invite you to listen with an open heart and mind as we explore these stories together. Let us venture on the journey of empathy and compassion and see where it leads us. Thanks for tuning in. Did you go see your dad when he left? No. He was at home. How do you feel? He's been sober since that whole incident. He's doing better, but it's like when my cousin passed, it really hit him. He, he was so close to him, and now he's telling me he's never going to use again because it just ruined everything. And I think that it hit so close to home that it really impacted him because he realized how easy it is to lose your life to that shit. He texted me and told me I wouldn't be alive right now if you didn't go and pick me up. It means a lot, and I'm sorry for messing up, and I know you're mad, and... He's, but I love you, and I'll be patient while I wait. I wait for you to be ready. I'm kind of happy to see him tomorrow because he's actually sober. He's not in a bad state of mind where he's just gonna come up with shitty excuses or something. Yeah, for sure. Like he'll be able to talk like a sober adult. My poor cousin, though, so bad. What happened? He overdosed. Yeah, his grandma passed away on either Monday or Tuesday, but she had dementia for a really long time. And I'm telling you, she couldn't remember 20 minutes worth of conversation. Once that hit, she was already asking me what my name was and who I was. But I think it was easier for them because they were grieving her for a while. They knew that they had already lost part of her. And now it's just losing her body and not seeing her anymore. But what's sad is that she died and then my cousin died after that. And his dad is the one that found him. He was sober for six months. And he popped one pill and killed him. That's scary. And you know what's so sad, too, is it's always, like, the best people that are freaking addicts, dude. I can't say for all, but my cousin was such a good spirit. He was so empowering, no matter how hurt or broken he was. Like, he always encouraged us. And I wasn't really close to my dad's family growing up. And he always made known that he loved me. He'd always be there for me. And it's just sad. How old was he? He was born in 89, so what is that like? You're trying to get me to do lashes and math? Okay, 11 plus 23, what's that? 11 plus 23 is... 34. He is 34. Boy, that's pretty young, man. He just lost his mom, like, in 2019, and, like, she was his rock, you know? She was the one that always picked him up when he fell, and I think after that, there was just no answers for him. He didn't want anyone to feel sorry for him, but it's so heartbreaking. He was... Freaking the hugest guy ever. So freaking tall, so chunky, like a teddy bear. He's just so gentle, and like I'm telling you, his hugs were the best. He just felt safe. Mm. And last time I saw him, we were at a wedding for my cousin. My whole family got together, and I have not seen my whole family together like that. We all saw each other at the wedding, and my cousin was so shy and so nervous to be around everybody because he was recovering, so... 
it was just hard. And I'm telling you, once he got a little comfortable, he was showing up all the people on the dance floor. Like this big old dude. Just he got loose. <laughs> yeah, he was getting loose. He was like singing his ass off and he came to sit down and he's sweating his ass off. His shirt was had sweat stains all over, but he was smiling from ear to ear, just so happy. That's who he was. He was a writer. He was an artist. He was just an amazing soul. Gone too soon. I'm sorry. How I like to see it is he's not struggling on earth no more. He doesn't have to deal with pain and he doesn't have to overdose again. He doesn't have to feel all the guilt and the hurt. He finally gets to have peace. And I think that's what makes me okay with it. Of course, you never prepare for that, but at least you know there's no more hurt coming for him. He's at peace, and I know his mom was there. She was the first person to welcome him. Yeah. So his mom had passed away before him? Yeah, in 2019. What happened to her? She just had a lot of health issues, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm pretty sure one of her organs failed. She just was so weak and so skinny and just malnourished where she couldn't really, her immune system couldn't fight it anymore. I was talking with a client earlier today and I was just like, we understand that death is the ultimate path we're on, essentially, mm -hmm. but still doesn't feel like anybody's ever ready for it. And I feel like we do understand that death is just where you go to sleep and you never wake up, but it's just still when it happens. Like, we understand it's the end of suffering. It doesn't make it easier still. Well, and I think the part about it is you can have faith and you can trust that there's something out there where they go after they die, but ultimately we don't know that. I just feel like it breaks my heart because, like, why do people have to go through bullshit that they didn't deserve. Like, why does it happen to the people that deserve the best? He lived his whole life in pain. And yes, he smiled. Yes, he was happy. Yes, he did things he loved. But internally, he never healed from his pain. And part of me is just mad at the world because, like, why couldn't the world be more kind to him? Like, why couldn't he have a chance to make a good life for himself? Yeah. And I know it's just part of life, but it's so sad. I used to have an uncle. My grandma would tell me all the time that he was a little crazy. And she'd be like, he always would say, life's a bitch and then you die. That's fact. So I do see a lot of instances with addiction amongst clients whether it's their son or their partner or like you your dad and they are such good people but I think most of it is they don't know their own self-worth right mm -hmm. they don't feel like they're worthy enough of having the greater things in life or maybe nobody helps them see that but also everyone talks shit about addiction and a lot of people get angry at the addicts I get angry and I get mad and it's just hurt it's not like I hate him that I resent him I'm just so hurt because all I wanted was him to do good for himself it doesn't even have to do with me of course I want him in my life but I want him to be whole and I think a lot of people just don't understand that it's a sickness. It's not something you do and then have to just oh rehab, wake up. Yeah, fun. literally half the people in rehab are just going because they're court ordered to go. And I'm not saying that for everybody, but majority of them are. So when you're going in there for real help, all these people still want drugs. They just want to be there because they don't want to go to jail. 
And how is that supposed to heal people? It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. I've watched my dad go to rehab multiple times, and I've never seen it heal him. It just doesn't. What they need to do is life coach people. They need to give them all these resources and not just her tell them about it, support them. Like, you need help getting insurance. You need help getting a license. Let's go. We need real life coaches that are willing to support them through that. And I know people are adults. They could do it themselves, but some people don't have the motivation or the transportation to do it. And my dad, he doesn't have a driver's license where he can just go down and get all this done. He doesn't have access to that. And it's just hard because no one cares. I went to the hospital one time because he called me, I want to say two years ago, and he was saying, I feel like I'm dying. I know that I did drugs. I'm on meth and I mixed fentanyl with it and I'm hurting. But the way I feel, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like my body is crashing. I could feel all my organs moving. I could feel everything inside of me. And at that point, I knew that something was wrong because he would never involve me. If he was fucked up and he just was overthinking shit, he would never involve me because he knew I can't bring this around her. And at that point, I knew since he called me, there's something serious happening. Yeah. And I freaking rushed him to St. Vincent's and they didn't do shit. The doctor straight up told me he needs to lay off the meth and there's no detox open right now. So you're going to have to come back at in the morning. Bring him and we'll see if there's availability. He couldn't give me no resources. He couldn't give me no phone numbers. He didn't even examine my dad. He just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And my dad was straight up in so much pain. And this doctor basically said, he's a drug addict. I'm not going to help him. There's three people there. And I get it. Like there's people that are more serious than others, but you can see he's literally crashing. He wouldn't stop throwing up. It was just terrible. And like, I could see it in his face. It wasn't drugs. Of course, he was high as fuck, but there was something wrong. And I just felt it in my heart. Yeah. And I had took him to Presbyterian and we were waiting for two hours. And I was like, we can keep waiting. But he was so uncomfortable. So I just told him, let's go to my house. I'll call around. I'll see who can get you in a detox. Because part of me, I knew something was wrong, but the other half of me thought, okay, he has lesions. It's obviously just lesions from the drugs. He's just out because he's coming down and his he's body hurts. Yeah. And all night he stayed with us at our house and I made him a bed and literally all night he's just shaking his legs like this back and forth, moving around, getting up, laying down. And I was just so stressed out because none of the hotlines, none of the detox centers, nobody helped me. They were like, there's nothing we can do. There's nowhere free. Take him to a hospital. And what did the hospital do? They didn't help me. They literally sent us home. And mind you, it was like three in the morning. My dad was literally shaking so bad. And I drove all the way to Albuquerque at four in the morning. I didn't sleep all night. And we took him to this urgent care. And once we saw the nurse, she said, something's wrong with him. He might be overdosing. I was glad I got him there. They ran some tests and she told me, He's septic. If you didn't bring him in within the next few hours, he would have died. My God. He would have died. Yeah. And if I didn't go to Presbyterian, dude, he would have died in my house. And I would have woke up to see him dead. And they got him on meds. And it was just insane. He was shaking. He was crashing. I don't know. It was heartbreaking to watch. And literally, there was nowhere to take him. And it's hard because since we live my mother-in-law's house I can't leave my dad there and it's not that I don't want to but it's not my home it's just a respect thing I don't feel like it's right to do that so I was panicking because they discharged us around 3 p.m from the 
urgent care. And they told me, you have to wait a couple hours for the meds to be ready. I didn't know what to do. I'm in Albuquerque. Where am I going to wait? My dad knew this girl that used to be his drug counselor mm -hmm. and she works at a clinic there and it's like a recovery center so they do classes and they actually do the casework with them and I called her immediately and I was like what do we do I have nowhere to take him I have nowhere to wait and she's come over here I'm getting you a coffee I'm getting you guys food and we'll relax and so we went over there and she was calling a bunch of detox centers for me so that he could find somewhere stay for a few nights until we can get him into the recovery center yeah and none of the detox places had availability so I started crying to that girl and I was like I just can't do this like I can't drop him off like I can't watch him die and I need to take responsibility of him I have nowhere to take him and she literally pulled me outside and she was like okay I'm gonna do something for you but you can't tell a soul don't talk to my coworkers about it she's here's my garage key I'm texting him my address, go take him to my house, wait there for me, and I will detox him myself. Oh my god. So, like, this wonderful lady literally took him into her house, detoxed him, let him stay there for, you know, a couple weeks, and yes, it was a professional relationship, but I think it was more personal. Like, she was a friend to him, and she was there when nobody else was. And so, like... She was taking him with her to work every day, having him work with the other drug coaches and helping him through it. Mm -hmm. And he was doing so good. And my dad came with her one day and some guy was questioning him and he had told her, yeah, I'm staying with her. Like, she let me stay with her. This guy goes and reports them and she almost got her license taken away. Oh, my God. And it's just insane. It's For no one helps. Like, an, a doctor can't even help because... That's professional, but they can't be professional. And then someone that's professional but is a past drug addict that wants to help people is willing to take these people to her house to detox them, to help them through this shit because they have nowhere else to go. Who does that? You're a strong person to trust someone to take them into your own house. And you're a good person to you know, watch like a 19-year-old girl crying about her dad, not knowing what to do, and taking responsibility of him just to make sure she's okay and he's okay. I always praise her because she's just amazing. And I had to make a statement at her hearing just saying she really supported me. And I was not about to let her get her license taken away because people are just haters. And they want to ruin other people's careers because they actually have the heart that it takes to be in that role. And mind you, this woman, she's alone. She doesn't have anyone living with her. And what's crazy about her is she's a past addict. So she was doing heroin for 25 years no way. she had kids and she lost her, her relationship with her kids she got them taken away and they just hate her they despise her and went to prison for six years because of something that happened with the drugs and she got out and she literally went to college she got her bachelor's degree in psychology then she got her master's degree in drug counseling and she started working and supported all of the addicts and everyone felt comfortable with her because she went through that shit she knows and she was hard on them too she wasn't just gonna be sit there and be nice she told them what was up yeah i've seen her go off on dudes and not in a way where they feel threatened but where it makes them hear her out and she had such a strong personality where she could put up with anything and nothing hurt her feelings yeah there is good people in this world and it's hard to find them but they're there yeah
And it's always the times you least expect it. I feel like when you're humble and you're grateful and you're not expecting shit in return, that's when it's going to come and bless you. Yeah. So what happened at the hearing? They didn't end up taking her license. They gave her a warning. She loved my dad and she knows that he fucked up so many times but she saw what me and my grandma see in him she saw that compassionate person she always told me he's gonna make it out of addiction one day he has that heart he has that soul that spirit where he is a hustler and he works so hard but he just loses his confidence in himself yeah you should commend yourself for the amount of resilience that you've had to have in your life this is just one barrier right but other things that we've talked about it's like resilience is the word have you ever even thought about that sometimes it's so easy to feel like we're wrapped up in all the things that we have going on right and then ask why like why is life so hard why do we have to go through this why but the real power comes in to be like yo i went through xyz and i still made it out i think losing my cousin really made me realize i need to be good to everybody but i also need to respect myself enough to hold boundaries i need to tell people you're hurting me don't do that or if you want to have a relationship with me Mm -hmm. we can work on our own triggers but if you really love someone you have to consider the shit that triggers them too you can't walk on eggshells for someone but there has to be that balance yeah and i never was aware of this in high school i'm like Oh, this bitch being petty. Like, what's her deal? And I never thought too much into it. But now I'm like, damn, this bitch daddy left. That's why she act like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think about that. And studying human development and family studies, just the psychology of the brain and how people work and how certain shit plays a part in your life. I try to raise my girls like that. You have to understand that everybody goes through things, but like at school specifically, There are kids who go home and probably never have dinner because they don't Mm -hmm. have food. You know what I mean? And then they go home and they're like, oh, so-and-so's a bully. They're just a bully. And it's, yo, but that bully is probably battling for their life and they have nobody that hears them out at all. Not saying that bullying is absolutely okay because it's not, but what I'm saying is like, It's a defense mechanism. Right. It's like they're in fight or flight 24-7. There's not one person that's, hey, I got you. Sorry, kid. Let's figure this out. They go home and it's completely dismissed and heard. And so it's like, I wish that school would be more focused on that. Okay, how do we support people in this instance? Because it's all about reprimanding, in my opinion. Or it's all about, oh, what consequence could they have for doing X, Y, Z? But it's, no, what's really going on inside, though? And it's not even about catering to people or special treatment. It's just some people have it way worse. I've seen so many kids, like, just all the kids I went to elementary with, a lot of them are dead. A lot of them are druggies. A lot of them are just doing the same shit. And it's so sad because they never had that guidance from high school. You've seen how they acted and then they just never changed. No one ever made them. Yeah. And I'm very thankful to my mom because like my dad wasn't present all the time and my mom was so hard on me. Sometimes she treated me like shit and I was just like, I'm never talking to her again when I move out. But like she was- I remember those thoughts as a kid for sure. Or you're in the room crying your eyes out in the dark, just got your ass beat and you're like, 
fuck this bitch. I'm You're sick like, of this I shit. I just off myself at eight years old. Yeah, literally. You know what? I thought I had it bad. I was convinced this shit sucks. My mom's terrible. My mom was always on my ass with my grades. My mom was always on my ass about going on time to school, not missing school. She paid attention to everything. She kept tabs on me. I could not lie to her. If I went out and did some shit, I could not lie. I can never sneak out. I can never be dishonest with her. And I was terrified of her and I despised her for it. And then once I got older, I'm like, damn, she taught me how to be grounded. She wanted me to be better than her. So she humbled me and she put me through hell, but she taught me how to be humble. She taught me how to have a strong worth ethic, to be good to people, to tell the truth. And all of that really made me who I am. And I can only imagine if my mom and dad were still together, still abusive watching that. I can only imagine where it would have took me. Yeah, for sure. I'm grateful for that. Of course, I was aware and I knew my dad wasn't around. It hurt, but I knew how to live without him. And you know what's sad too is that the most destructive people can have kids. And then there's people that would be wonderful parents and then they cannot have kids. It's oh, so I heartbreaking. This. I had no say. I couldn't say how I felt. I couldn't express how I felt without being scolded. So I was constantly on shutdown. I had to go to my room and I had to just hold everything in. I never had control over my voice. I never had power. And now that I have a partner that I feel comfortable with, I feel like, okay, I'm comfortable with you. I can tell you how it is. I can let it out. I can express how I feel and you're going to listen because I was never heard. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's an unfair world. That's why I tell you all the time, I'm like, don't be a mom unless you for real about it, because this ain't for the weak, let me tell you. So I had you on my mind the whole time since I last saw you, and I was just so heavy in my heart for you. And I feel like everyone's, you need to tell people to go to therapy. And I'm like, I do. I do tell people to go to therapy, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about such deep shit in here that I'm just like, I do take it home. And sometimes I, I be sad girly home in my blanket with my book and just be like, I can't even read this book because I'm thinking about somebody and what they just told me today. I feel like I want you to know that I always support you and I will always tell you what I think when you want my opinion. And maybe sometimes when you don't. <laughs> But I feel like my goal in life is to be a woman supporter and feel like when people have nobody else to go to, they have me, right? And I want to be like that for my own kids, too. Same thing with finding the balance between the type of parenting I want to do. And I just know that I want my child to be 18 years old and on her own and be like, my mom's my best friend. That's the ultimate goal for me. And Aside from that, though, I want other people that come into contact with me to know that I genuinely care about you guys, and I always want to see you guys winning. But you give that vibe off. When I first met you, instantly, you're like, tell me about you. Let me know. Yeah. And it wasn't no, let let me be nosy. It was just like, you're going to sit here for two hours every two weeks, and- And you ain't going to talk, boy. It's a safe space, and you've always made me feel comfortable. I've never said something to you that I'm like, oh, shit, she's going to open her mouth, or yeah, oh, shit, she's judging me. You never made me feel judged, especially last week, last time I came. Something, I'm telling you, you really have been just screaming at my brain. Oh, my God. For two weeks now, because, like- when I answered the phone call for my dad and like he was like trying to I don't know like just talk to me and like I completely shut him down and I'm just like no you're a drug addict no like you don't stop no like you don't get forgiveness and I asked you like how did I handle it and you told me straight up you could be better and no one has ever told me that everyone has always validated the fact that 
I've dealt with a lot of shit and they've always felt sorry for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm tired of that. I don't tell people because I want them to feel sorry for me. I'm just lost and I don't know how to be better because I told you I'm hurt and I'm angry. And it's not necessarily with my dad. It's just like, why do drugs exist? Why do people get addicted? Why does it kill people? Why does it take take so much from me like why can't i have my dad and it's not even him it's just needing him it's me wanting him to be present so i can watch him flourish so i can have a positive relationship with him and that's all i wish for and i do get angry and i get very impulsive on my thoughts and i don't think about what people need from me and i've told you for years my dad has told me you're all i got and all i've ever done is blame him and get mad at him and i have every right to feel that way but you made me feel more accountable for the way I can handle it and you didn't tell me in a way where like you're a fucked up daughter you say it in a way that makes sense and that yeah when you said it I'm like damn am I really that fucked up but like it made me think about it it made me analyze how can I be better because like I love my dad and yeah he hurts me but I've gotten through it every time like it hurts so bad when it happens but it gets better yeah and it may get worse but If I can be there and be the good person, maybe change would happen. Maybe he'd feel better support. And because like you said, he's tired of being reminded that he's a drug addict. He knows who he is. Yeah, for sure. He knows that. He knows that he's broken, but he's also tired of being blamed. He just wants to be heard and he has real pain inside that needs to be uncovered. Yeah. And I'm the closest thing to him. I'm who he feels comfortable with most. Yeah. You are half of him. Yeah, exactly. And what's crazy is we have the same exact personality. I'm impulsive like him. I'm intrusive. I'm just very, we want everything right now. If we have a thought in our mind and we want to succeed, we're going to want it the second we preach about it. Yeah. And I've seen that with me as I grow older. I went and looked at a Camry and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about the outcomes. I didn't think about how it would impact me. Like I just did it. And now I just have to deal with it. And you're like, God damn it. Why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean... I I can't cry about it the rest of my life, but it made me realize I have to think before I do. I have to set out the solid foundation, focus on the short-term goals before I just get to the long-term goal because it doesn't work that way. You have to have little plans to get where you are. It doesn't happen just in an instance. But our lives, the way we live is very much about instant gratification. What is the fastest way you can do X, Y, Z? I get it. Everybody does things ass backwards. I've told you about my stupid decisions too. We live and we learn. That's part of life. Life is a classroom to me, and I'm not necessarily the teacher, but I'm the student, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's powerful in itself to be like, okay, life, I surrender to you and the lessons that you need to teach me. I think the biggest thing is like going back to your dad and what he's going through of like, why drugs, why are drugs so detrimental to life? We'll never truly know. But if I had to guess, it's just the amount of pain that somebody feels and can never sit with it. It's the root cause, though. You have to focus on that. What caused it and what keeps triggering you? For sure. It's not you just didn't think of anybody else and you just went and used. Like, why did he go use? What got him to that point? Yeah. And I know sometimes it's different for other people. But with my dad, he has such a good heart and he wants to change. If he didn't want to change, he wouldn't get sober every time he fucks up. He wouldn't get high and then tell me, I'm getting a job. I'm going to do this. He wants it, but something is haunting him where he can't follow through with it. Yeah. Something is triggering him to the point where he just can't keep going. I think that your dad does value his life enough to feel like he wants to be sober.
There you have it, folks. That's the end of our first episode of Esthetician Eavesdrop. That was a really touching subject. Next week, we have a really funny episode, and I can't wait to add some humor into this. Thanks for listening. If you guys want to know more about her story or maybe have some questions for her, you can submit them to estheticianeavesdrop at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.